Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to No Bunts, the podcast for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Tass Mellis. With me in studio, it's super producer, JD. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hey, there he is. <laughs> and we've got two people joining us. First, as always, my co-host all season long from Taiwan, it's Joel McMillan. Joel, what's up? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? We're doing wonderful. We've got a special guest here in studio. <sighs> It's the yeast whisperer, <laughs> Seb Winkler. Hey, my wife only gets to call me. <laughs> uh, he is the yeast whisperer because he's an associate pilot brewer for Terrapin Beer Company. Specifically, his job is creating the beers at the Atlanta Braves Stadium, Truist Park. So can't get, can't wait to get into your cool job. We've known you for a while. Finally, a collab between two pretty cool jobs, ours. <laughs> And yours. Sure. Yeah, so we'll get into that. Creating beers for fans at baseball stadiums, we'll get into that. We'll get into the fact that teams are extending beer sales in response to lack of beer sales. These games are too quick. We don't sell enough beer, so we want to get into that with you, Seb, uh, as well as just your cool job in general. We'll do that in a bit. We'll also play a new edition of Year Out, which involves... uh, Grub at stadiums. I know Joel's very excited about that. Uh, But first, the current trends in baseball in a game of buying or selling. All right, baby. Let's get into this first, Joel. First topic. David Ortiz just went into the hall, but we're already burying him to to some degree here. Are you buying or selling the Astros' Jordan Alvarez as Big Poppy 2.0? Only better, Joel. Tass, I'm buying. I'm yep. buying big. I'm buying a boatload of these. <laughs> um, no, I mean, obviously, no disrespect to Ortiz. He's uh, he's an icon in the game. But if we're just strictly looking at numbers. Uh, absolutely. When you take a look at Ortiz's first five seasons uh, and you compare that with Alvarez's first five seasons, it's tremendous. I mean, Ortiz's career didn't really take off until he kind of uh, his until he went to Boston. Um, but the numbers are just overwhelming. Uh, Alvarez already has a championship. Just to give you a bit of context, Tass, um, Ortiz had 38 home runs through his first five seasons. Alvarez already has 102 and he's basically just played four seasons. And then this is going into his fifth season. 
and uh, the COVID season, he only played two games. So he's already well on pace to surpass uh, Ortiz. Ortiz finished with a career war wins above replacement. That's just kind of mm, the casual far. fan. That's too kind far. of a general number. You're going to too describe. far. You're going too far. No war <laughs> okay. on this show. No, I'm kidding. Okay. That's but, a lot. Okay. It's, it's allowed sort of. Make beer, not war. Okay. <laughs> but basically, he's well on pace. Yeah, both are power lefties. Um, and yeah, he's, in my opinion, he's going to surpass Ortiz in terms of just numbers. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that, Joel. I, I, I think you're totally, totally reasonable in saying that he will be better. I am a newbie to the Jordan Alvarez craze the last couple of years, but obviously last in last year's playoffs, what he was doing in late game situations, primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he goes oppo, I love that uh, a lot. He's, did that in the previous season. He is, if you do look at the numbers, a guy who's going to surpass David Ortiz. Any uh, any comments on this one here, Seb? I feel like you guys might be Skynet and I might be Mankind. Because in this situation, <laughs> I feel like we've got the T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is big poppy in this situation. And then you have Jordan Alvarez, who is the T-1000. Everyone's like, oh, my God, he's so much better. He's silver, and he can get through anything and make any weapons he wants to. Uh huh. No. I think that Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> through the love of a young teenager named John Connor, will forever be in our memories beyond Jordan Alvarez. You're a Braves fan, so that's totally acceptable for you to, <laughs> for you to feel that way. Uh, but I, I do think, uh, yeah, he's he's... I don't know if your reference uh, can also apply to this, but he is also playing uh, dominoes with one of his teammates, and, and one of his teammates is having a career year, primarily because he gets to play dominoes and pick Alvarez's brain. Mauricio Dubon, he's leading his team in average at 328. He's Altuve's replacement who got injured in uh, spring training. So does your reference uh, equate to that, or does it does it apply? I should say uh, he's ha- he's getting he's getting he's giving advice. To someone else, mm-hmm. he's he's uh, providing his veteran expertise to somebody else. Probably not. No, not no. so much. Okay, unless it's like the hot chick that shows up in Terminator Three. I think maybe you can make a <laughs> reference point there, but I don't know how it would kind of interweave. But we'll figure it out. Wow, well done. I mean, I think you kind of already did. Uh, all right, next one, Joel. You buying or selling? An everyday player will be hitting four hundred at the All Star break. Tass, I debated this for a while, but I'm going to go sell just because a couple players are off to really, really hot starts. But, I mean, that doesn't really mean much in April. There's only been two players, Tass, in the last 43 years that have been hitting a 400 or greater uh, at the All-Star break, and that was Tony Gwynn in 1997 and George Brett in 1980. Um, I just thought this would be a good question because with, you know, a lot of new rule changes, offense is up, uh, average is up. Um, some guys are off to a really hot start. It's just so difficult to do. And, you know, we were talking before the show, I fired this into chat GPT because I'm horrible <laughs> at math. And uh, basically... It's interesting uh, that you use chat GPT for math. <laughs> <laughs> there are other applications. A calculator. I know. Um, but yeah, so basically a player would like, as a rough calculation, a player would need 300 at-bats and roughly 120 hits um in you know in those at bats and so uh when you take a look right now uh Bo Bichette and uh Bryson Stott both have 29 
and uh, Luis uh, Arise, uh, I think, has 27. So they're on pace, but that doesn't really mean much three weeks into the season because, you know, guys kind of start out hot. But I, I'm going to sell on this one just because it's so extremely difficult to do. That is wild that only two players have done that in, in that span of time. I thought that it would be a little bit later on in the season, but there are two players doing it right now. You mentioned Luis Arise, who is awesome uh, for the Marlins, one of my faves, and Matt Chapman for the for our Blue Jays. I'm surprised you didn't mention him, Joel, uh, that, that he, he's kicking ass right now over 400. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's off to a hot start, but I think if any, like, you know, speaking of the Blue Jays task, if anyone's going to do it, I would probably say it's Bichette because Bichette is just, I mean, he's just a hitter. The dude really doesn't walk much. Um, he's just a hitting machine and he can really go off. Like he's, he can be a very streaky player at times. But when he's on, I mean, the dude hits everything. So if a guy's going to do it, Bichette's probably going to be one of the two or three guys from this season that has a legitimate shot at doing it. Seb, is mankind going to do it? What do you got? What do you got for us? A Terminator? <laughs> Uh, I absolutely think it's possible. I okay. think that baseball has turned to the point where uh, singles are back into our British folks out there mind the gap because everyone <laughs> is trying to hit these line drives as hard as they can right into the middle of two guys standing there because the shift is gone and singles are back, baby. It, it is exciting, is it not? Oh, yeah. Uh, More offenses. I mean, I love pitching. Don't get me wrong. I love when a starting pitcher yeah. can come in and just ace it up. But at the same time, to have – more offense it's fun a space yeah. space for these guys to maneuver athleticism in the infield yeah i just mentioned Luis arise as a guy who's hitting over 400 but at the at the second base position i mean he in the all-star game because they weren't playing by the, the shift rules in the all-star game he got to show off his athleticism that's something we see now because guys are just spaced out you're you don't have three guys on on one side of the infield uh for reference jeff mcneil of the mets led MLB last year with a 326 average. No, that's the end of the season. And this particular topic here is the all-star break. But, Joel, all right, not overzealous on this one. I guess Chat GPT also wasn't overzealous uh, on this topic. I appreciate that. I appreciate you doing your work. I appreciate you signing up for a, an account with Chat GPT just to do something that a calculator would do. Uh, no, I test. I use it for work. I use it to do all of my lesson plans. I use it for much more than just calculating baseball stats. It pretty much does like forty percent of my work now. Oh, you are you're awesome. You're a case study. Uh, we got we got to figure out exactly what. Okay, this is great. Well, we got another show. Why people use ChatGPT, uh, starring Joel McMillan. Anyways, next topic here. You buying or selling San Diego winning the NL West? Joel, gonna buy gonna buy Ooh. they're off to, you're a noted dodger off. hater oh you'll never let me you'll never let me look that down Tess. <laughs> not no. a hater not a dodger hater um uh no i mean i think that the expectation was they were going to win the national league west i mean look at the players they've acquired over the last year whether it was the trade deadline last year the acquisitions they made uh in the off season listen they're just off to a slow start um great teams I mean, every team slumps and every team slumps at different times in San Diego. I wouldn't even say San Diego's even really slumping. I mean, they're one or two games below 500. I mean, it's, you know, we're not even three weeks into the season. Their offense is kind of touch and go as is their pitching. They're kind of ranking uh, in the middle. Don't worry, Tass. I'm not going to use war, even <laughs> though I put that in my notes. But uh, <laughs> Soto, Soto has even, I think he publicly said this week, 
the pitch clock. Uh, he's still getting used to it. He's only hitting 164 on the season. He's still walking at a crazy clip. Um, he's a guy that's really going to take off. And Tatis hit six home runs last week in his minor league assignment. Once he gets back in, he's going to inject a bunch of energy and offense into this team. And also, Tass, when you look at San Diego's schedule, they've had one off day so far. I think they've played the most games. They've already done uh, an East Coast road trip. They played the Braves and the Mets, two great teams. And then also, they've, they're playing the Braves again right now. So they've had a hard schedule. They played the Brewers. They played some top teams. The only bad team they've really played uh, is the Rockies. So I think it's just a combination of a couple of things. But I'm not worried at all about San Diego. I think they're absolutely going to win the NL West. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy on that. All right. They're sitting at 8-11. and 11. They're behind two teams in the NL West, the Dodgers, who are always fantastic and could easily win the NL West and the Diamondbacks, who started off uh, really well at eleven and seven. You said they weren't slumping, although I'd say for any uh, Braves faithful, the Padres are slumping because they're the Braves are taking care of business with them. Seb, yeah, eight in a row, baby. That's yes. what we do. I cannot wait for the playoffs and an NL West Padres versus the NL East Braves. It's gonna be awesome. Wow, that's interesting. You guys think that uh, yeah. that the Padres will win the division? Obviously, the signings of uh, uh, every acquisition they've made is, is working out you know, fairly well. Although Juan Soto's not hitting well, Xander Bogarts is playing extremely well. And uh, you mentioned about Tatis playing well in the minors. He'll be back this week following that eighty-game suspension for steroids. Probably be back on April twentieth. He's looked great in the minors. The top of the lineup is going to be, uh, according to our Ken Rosenthal, Tatis. Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, and Jake Cronenworth to start it up. Uh, that's pretty pretty damn good. And Soto said that that lineup is better than his 2019 World Series title team than uh, the uh, the Nationals, which, yeah, makes sense. But, um, yeah, the, the, the Diamondbacks leading the division right now is, is not going to hold. I can't wait to see. Uh, the Dodgers have also started kind of slowly here, uh, although it was nice to see Cody Bellinger make that catch against them uh, last week. And you won't get into the war, Joel. I won't get into the the pitch calm malfunctions that the Padres have gone through early in the season. Mm-hmm. That's not allowed. No war, no pitch calm malfunctions. Uh, Chat GPT <laughs> is allowed because I am interested in it. All right, ne- <laughs> next topic here. You buying or selling on someone stealing 70 bags this year. That's a big number, Joel. Well, Tass, I want to give another shout out to ChatGPT for this one too, because uh, I used it to calculate this. So in order to get 70 steals, you would have to average between eight and nine steals every 20 games. And so uh, Cedric Mullins has nine through 17 games. Nico Horner's got nine through 16. And Jorge Mateo has eight through 17 games. So I I'm going to sell on this because again, like similar to the hitting 400 by the all-star breaks, it's extremely hard to do. And Tass, only one player in the last, uh, in the last, I don't know how many years, I think since 1998 or 1997, only one player in 2009 stole 70 bases. Do you want to take a guess who it was? In 2009 stole 70. Yeah, he played for the Red Sox and the Yankees. No, I don't. I don't know. 
I, 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 uh, J- okay. Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, he was the last guy to do it in 2009. Yeah. So it's extremely hard to do, but again, like we're going to see more offense. We're going to see more steals. The only thing too, is, I mean, just stealing 70 bases is difficult as it is, but I think pitchers and catchers are going to adjust to the run game. And I think you're going to see more runners get thrown out. That's just anecdotal. That's just more of a feeling on my end. Um, it's hard to do, but I definitely get, I, I could see someone getting, 50 to 60, but I think 70 is a bit out of reach. So I'm going to go sell on this one. Also, you, you did your calculation. Thanks to the chat GPT. Part of it is you have to be healthy all season long uh, to, to factor into those stats. Yeah, that's true. So those numbers are based on 162 games and guys almost like never play 162 games at all. Yeah. Does chat GPT know that? Does chat GPT take that into account? Uh, 153 games for Jacoby Ellsbury. In 2009, as you mentioned, is okay. is 60 even uh, attainable? I mean, last, I, I know it is a different game. Last year, John Birdie led the league with 41. Steals are up 40 percent at this point. But do you, do you think uh, Seb that 70 is attainable at all? Uh, I I think you know highest possibility maybe, but I think I'm with Joel on this and that we'll get close because I mean people are going to steal more. That's something that you and I talked about uh, with the new rule changes and the expanded bases that people are going to try to steal more, and of course they're going to try to get thrown out more. But uh, <laughs> athletes are so insane these days. Like the idea of I don't know a runner just being able to steal a base just makes more sense to me. Yeah, we're at uh, yeah, but as you said as you slept in there, Joel, league leader with nine, uh, unless I'm, I'm incorrect here. I was hoping, you know, being here in Atlanta, that we'd have uh, Acuna up there. It's not, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened quite yet. Uh, but nine, I don't know, just because I guess it feels like we're a little bit deeper into the season than it, than I, I guess, than I actually, than I actually realize. Maybe it feels like there's been more baseball than, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because I'm following it close, more closely than I ever have. Maybe it's that. Uh, Acuna at seven. I thought he'd be, have like 48 at this point. Uh, is, is what <laughs> I'm that trying chat to say. GPT math <laughs> yeah, right yeah. There. <laughs> okay, another sort of prediction one here uh, as we uh, we get closer to talking to Seb about beer. Buy or sell? We won't see a no hitter this year, Joel. I'm going by. I'm no, I'm going to no go hitters. big on this one. Yeah. Um, there's been uh, in the modern era. There's been five seasons without no hitters: mm-hmm. um, nine, uh, 82, 85, 89, 2000, and 2005. I just think with again, like you know, just talking about the steel. I think the offense is uh, sorry. I think the league is geared to more offense, especially getting rid of the shift um, and you know pitch counts and things like that. I just think there's all those factors combined. It really lends itself to there being you know not not that great of a chance to throw uh, a no-hitter. I mean, obviously, their luck in, in many ways, there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, of course, it takes skill, but I just think, yeah, with the new rule changes, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to go by. I will say this, though. I will hedge on the off chance that it does happen. I'm 100% going to say it's going to be a, a, a team combined no-hitter. We've seen several of, the, several of those in recent years. Wow. We even saw one in the playoffs last year. So if it's going to happen, I feel it's going to be like a team combined no-hitter. But I'm still confident. I'm going to say there's not going to be any no-hitters this year. I'm going to go by on that one for sure. Yeah, that, that last point about having a combined no-hitter makes me believe that it's going to happen every year now. As you said, 05 was the last year where we didn't have any no-hitters. Mm-hmm. It, it just feels like because hitters don't see pitchers 
three times through anymore. Everybody calculating, using Chat GPT to calculate inning by inning how many times we're going to see uh, how many pitcher how many pitches each guy throws. Just leads me to believe that we're going to have one every single year. Am I am I off base? It it just feels. I know luck is involved. We had three last year, uh, an MLB record nine the year before that. Yeah, hitting's up. But it's just one game, you know, one one game for it to happen and, and multiple guys throwing. So I, I feel like we're going to see it every year. Sure. A team could just go cold one game and then the other team, you mm. know, pitchers get hot. The uh, manager understands, you know, keep your starter out there for five innings. They have a great run and then the reliever and the reliever and then the closer. And then everyone's super happy. I think that the combined no hitter is definitely the way to go in terms of predictability. But you know what? Just ask chat GPT. It probably knows <laughs> better than I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like cheating as a. As, uh... An older baseball fan, myself, yeah, the combined no-hitters doesn't even feel like a no-hitter. Do you mean you're a fan of yeah, older baseball <laughs> or you're an old baseball fan? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> uh, both, uh, question mark? Uh, more of the latter, I would say. All right. Um, being an old baseball fan and an older baseball fan, I've always loved watching baseball in Oakland Coliseum. Uh, but Joel, I, I'm leaning towards you thinking that there won't be baseball in Oakland Coliseum for a long time. Buy or sell – Oakland will have a new home within five years. Okay, Tess, again, I, I wavered on this. Um, ultimately, I'm actually going to go sell on this. Uh, I was reading, uh, like I was just checking in on the news, and it looks like there's some uh, headway and some progress being made in negotiations between the team and the city. They're looking to build. Well, I feel like they've been looking to build yeah, the stadium for years. For it's years. a waterfront stadium. Um, and it, it, like a transit terminal as well. Like it looks great. Uh, only one team has relocated uh, in recent memory. And that was when Montreal moved to Washington. Uh, other than that, like it's been quite a long time since we've seen a, a team move. I think Oakland is an iconic franchise. I know that the situation there is not, not great. And the fans obviously deserve better. But one of the reasons I think that this deal gets done is because I feel like there is a sense of urgency. Uh, the A's lease runs out this year uh, with the Coliseum. Uh, so I think that, you know, with that urgency, like they're going to get something done. And also task to remember, like if Oakland does end up leaving, that would leave one of the biggest American cities without a professional sports franchise. Golden State, I believe, moved their arena uh, across the Bay to San Francisco. The Raiders moved a couple years ago. And uh, if the A's go, that would leave that city without a professional sports team. And I don't think they would let that happen. Again, that's just my gut. That's anecdotal. But I think I'm going to sell on this. I'm not extremely confident if they do go. I mean, obviously, I think they're going to go to Las Vegas. Uh, but I'm going to say sell. And I'm going to say in the 11th hour, the Oakland A's and the city of Oakland get it done. And the A's stay put. Any take on this one, Seb? Or are you not an Oakland, California expert? Uh, I am not an Oakland, California <laughs> expert for sure. But I would think that, I don't know, I think most of the time when you see these teams that are trying to be sold, that you see like an influx of uh, buying free agents, you know, getting bigger players because it increases the value of the team as a whole. We haven't seen any sort of movement like that out of Oakland uh, mm -hmm. athletics quite the opposite at this point right but at the same time i could be absolutely wrong and they could move to utah and be the utah joseph smiths so we'll uh, we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some buzz for uh, salt lake city uh getting a team i saw that uh well maybe it's gonna happen because of this story uh, uh buying or selling on the oakland coliseum possum 
problem. And let me set it up for everybody here. Uh, this is a hilarious story in that there's a possum running around Oakland Coliseum defecating everywhere, apparently, uh, to the point where the Mets were visiting and their television crew was trying to set up in, in the visitor booth, as per usual. But it smelled so bad that they relocated. They were displaced. They said, oh, yeah, we can't, we can't, we literally can't broadcast from this booth. Uh, let us go elsewhere. <laughs> no one could find the source. No one could find the possum. No one could find the defecation that was causing the problem. Uh, so they moved. Is this just an old stadium? Is this uh, uh, an old, old stadium? Because I do remember the stadium as an old baseball fan. It's been there for a long time, Seb. Is this, is, are you buying or selling this, th- th- this story? At all. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I grew up in Villarica, Georgia, which is about 40 minutes west of here. And I can name about 35 rednecks that would happily find that possum, take it home, name it Larry, and live happily ever after. It's ridiculous that you have all of these people. You have an entire city that cannot go and take care of a freaking possum. Come on, man. That's not that hard. You ever picked up a possum before, Tass? Nah, I'm not down with picking them up. Uh, there are marsupials that are not rats, man. Come no, on. I know. I have uh, – I've definitely – I'm moving here to Atlanta from Canada. Definitely grown accustomed to seeing them around. I just filmed one just down the street. Um, definitely didn't get out of my car as I saw one running around, but I filmed it <laughs> from the front seat of my car. Uh, it uh, possums are comfortable with electric vehicles, FYI. They they I think they they cozy up to electric vehicles more than they do ice. They probably think they're tougher than you are at that point. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with the uh, the eyes seeing their eyes in the middle of the night. Not not cool with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think I would have probably be in the boat of these Oakland Coliseum employees who, yeah. I, would, I mean, I'd call an exterminator. If somebody could find it, somebody would get it done. They uh, did. But, they called an exterminator. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then they could. They said they couldn't do it. Oh, they're in. it was deep in the holes, of, I guess, of the Coliseum. I guess, deep in the bowels, man. Joel, any uh, any feelings on this? Is that why Oakland, Oakland could be moving here because of the possums? Oh, I mean, that could be, I think that's the least of their problems right now, but I hope the A's are absolutely atrocious the, this year task, but I hope through some like Hollywood miracle, they turn it around and they make a movie about this in 20 years and they have the rally possum. Um, it'll be the star of the show. The stream team uh, doing well here. The bleacher creatures, Oakland Coliseum possum problem is a great headline from Ziggy and Oakland call a possum. Uh, from Ignatius Roberto. Uh, Respect. Well done, everybody. All right, we've got to get to uh, Seb and everything he does down here at the Braves Stadium. It's going to be a good conversation, so stay tuned. But first, we've got to take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, you're back with No Bunts here in studio. We've got Seb Winkler, an associate pilot brewer for Terrapin Beer Company. Yes, sir. Creates the beers at the Atlanta Braves Stadium. You're at the Braves Stadium every day. Yep, every day. At, at Truist Park. First question, Seb. Oh boy, uh, what what goes into this? Is a, I don't know if it's a real technical question, but what goes into creating beer for baseball fans? Because that's what you're doing. These beers go out to the baseball fans at Truist Park. Is there a thinking behind the ingredients, the flavors for fans at a ball game? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't. I mean. I don't know if you ever tried to drink an Imperial Stout while you're sitting in the hot Georgia sun trying to watch a Braves game, but it doesn't really work that well for me. Uh, so we definitely keep it behind uh, lagers, light pale ales, uh, light IPAs. We want things that are crispy. Uh, tropical fruit is you know a great uh, thing to have in this Georgia heat, and that's most of where we lean. It's, a lot of it's what uh, my partners, Chad and Mark, and I like to drink. Mm. So you just brew what you like to drink. <laughs> No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I, you've used the word crushables mm-hmm. uh, before to uh, to describe the things that are in the taps. But do you have, yeah, I'm sure, uh, as I've seen, you do have darker beers, some stouts sure. for, for the crazies out there that want to have oh. that in the, in the hot Georgia sun. Oh, absolutely. And those people out there, and I respect you. <laughs> Definitely. I don't envy your stomach, but yeah. Well, Terrapin used to have a, a craft brewery designation. Again, I'm getting technical because I want to know why they lost that. What, what is the criteria between being a craft brewery and not. And when you lose the craft brewery designation, you're just a brewery? Is that how that works? Uh, the the difference comes when you get acquired by a parent company. We are part of the Molson Coors uh, family, okay. and that's why we are no longer technically craft. But at the same time, like, we are craft beer in the way that, you know, Terrapin's been a part of Georgia culture for years and years and years beyond. You know, we've had so many breweries pop up in the past five to ten years that – you know, we, we've been here for a lot longer than those guys. Of course, we try to keep it craft. We're not, you know, turning our nose up at all or anything. Um, okay. Random question. Okay. You were labeled the, the yeast whisperer recently on a podcast <laughs> that you were on with uh, our friends at WSB. Do you like that nickname? That was, uh, that was done. <laughs> that was given to you. The yeast whisperer is a damn good nickname. It's okay. a damn good nickname. Uh, I love it. My wife hates it. She said, I can't hear the word yeast without cringing just a little bit. I was like, babe, yeast makes us money. It's okay. Don't worry. But she just does not quite get the uh, get the idea behind it still. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Don't worry. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those words, yeast, moist, um, that, yeah, I think it's sort of in a family of of. I, I heard uh, I was working with uh, Gary Payton's story, quick story time. Uh, and Gary Payton's, uh, this is this is what he said. It, he, it was an old photo. It was an old basketball card of him at his draft day, tight suit. And he said, uh, my suit was so tight, I almost had a yeast infection. What What the hell does that mean? Nobody knows. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> I think my other favorite one I've heard is uh, something so tight, you can tell what religion he is. Okay. Uh, very good. Very good. Uh, let's take it to the baseball field. Um, and there's a, there's a connection here to, uh, 
to, to your religion comment here because the Orioles home run celebration was first labeled the dong bong, but it is now, it is now has been, has been changed to the Homer hose. The Orioles wanted to be called the Homer hose. It's basically someone throwing a bottle of water, not a beer, uh, through a hose, through a, through a bong where a guy has to chug it being the beer specialist. Do you approve? And we're, we're showing it to you on YouTube. If you need a visual reference. Oh, I looked it up last night and I saw it on the uh, the interwebs recently. Oh, yeah, I absolutely approve. I mean, the fact that it's water, I appreciate that. Keep hydrated. You know, you're trying to play a baseball game. But <laughs> I want to see somebody really celebrate and put a beer through there, right? It'd be awesome. It'd yeah. be so cool. I mean, good luck, you know, and if the guy's like, well, you're actually the designated runner. So, for, yeah. so you're going to have to get out there in a couple of innings. But, you know. Belly full of beer. We'll see what happens. Well, yeah, designated runner, but the designated uh, beer consumer could be somebody who ain't running. We know that if it, you know it's the eighth inning, Jordan Alvarez blasts a ball, his job's probably done for the day. Sure. Uh, as as JD brought up, you know it's it's uh, it's circumstantial here. Make, there's there's got to be a designated Homer Hoser. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. So the question becomes, what kind of beer do you Homer hose? That's a great question. Right? So yep. it's got to be something light, right? It's got to be a lager or a pale ale or something. I mean, unless you really want to surprise the guy and put <laughs> some sort of like 10% stout in there and just ruin his fucking day. <laughs> that would that'd be awesome, though. Um, well, uh, speaking of uh, ruining days... The management at a lot of these uh, and a lot of these ballparks are a little upset because beer sales are down because of shorter games, which I, I was surprised by because it was experimented with in minor leagues in the minor leagues last year where there were shorter games and and beer sales and concessions stayed exactly the same. But so far, you know, early into the season, their shorter games are fewer beer sold. So in response, a lot of MLB teams are extending the cutoff time from in a lot of parks like seventh inning to the eighth inning like it is at truest park they've extended it from the end of the seventh to the end of the eighth another inning just to sell enough beer there's at least six teams uh, that have done that so what's your take on the uh, the cutoff extension happening i think it makes total sense i mean it, i'm one of those people I, I think that you know i i don't condone drinking and driving obviously but at the same time i think people need to kind of keep track of their own yeah yeah know your tolerance and at the same time like uh if you see the baseball stadiums are really trying to do things like the battery now they're trying to create an area around the baseball stadium which there's other things people will go do you know you have sports and social pbr you have all of these places people will go and continue to drink more i think that that makes total sense to me to extend the beer time into the eighth inning at this point yeah the battery here in atlanta is the the retail the the restaurants around the stadium that are bumping it's a it's a full day experience here in atlanta that you go to prior or afterward not only that but a lot of the stadiums are opening the, the social areas you know, within the game that you can continue to buy beer at after the game right like in rogers center that that we've just brought up it's literally open you know so it has nothing to do with the, the the beer extension so it's like it's an interesting idea the deadlines are there to keep drunk drivers off the road sure uh, but if it's at the end of the seventh inning and you and you buy one i mean you could literally you could still be drinking you could buy two you could still be drinking them in the ninth inning i think you can walk out the stadium gate and go get somewhere another else another beer regardless so uh, yeah yeah i think i think uh, a good an alternative to the lack of beer sales i heard ben verlander bring this up people 
up and down the aisles with kegs on their back. <laughs> and this, because he's seen it in Japan. It's primarily younger people, college students, that have uh, the energy, the capacity, not older baseball fans, uh, but the capacity to put a keg on their back and see somebody with their hand up and just fly up, you pour them a beer. Just, just better service instead of the people with... No offense. I don't want to take away jobs from people. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's some older people doing it. And maybe you combine both of them. I think there's enough beer to be sold. Is that a, is that a crazy idea yes. to implement in the MLB? <laughs> why? Absolutely. Why did I say that? Why? <laughs> well, number one, when you, when you told me about this, I hadn't heard about it. And so I did yeah. some research yeah. on it. and Because I was imagining someone with a half-barrel, like, full keg on their back, yeah. 160 pounds. I was like, is it just like a bodybuilder really trying to get a good workout in? <laughs> no. How does that work? But I did uh, looked up the videos for it. Yeah. And one of the biggest issues that you're going to run into is that keg is just shaking mm. the entire time. And if you notice and you watch the videos on YouTube, a lot of what she's for, uh, pouring is foam. Mm. So you're going to run into a lot of foaming issues with that. The beer gets That's warmer, great. so it foams more too, unless you have an insulated uh, keg carrier, whatever backpack you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, that would be the main issue for me. Yeah, so how would you get around that as a, as a brewer? Is, is there an ingredient? Is it heavy yeast uh, that, that, can, that can kill the foam? Heavy yeast? <laughs> <laughs> Active yeast. Someday I'll know. get, I'm going to get tasked to the brewery at some point. <laughs> actually walking through how to brew beer. <laughs> I meant a heavy amount of yeast. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, so is there, yeah, an insula, so what an insulated, not that I'm trying to solve the beer sales problems because I don't think it's an actual problem. Sure. Uh, but. I've got one for you. You okay. ready? I just yeah. thought of it. It's yeah, there we genius. go. There we uh, go. Uh, a really heavy-duty drone, right? So you hang the a keg drone? from the drone. Oh, no, and this is worse. Like hang it around. <laughs> it's powered by chat GPT at this point, so it knows exactly where to go, who needs a beer oh, next, nice. and it's perfect. Don't worry about it. Uh, good call. Uh, I, I, I did think it was a little crazy that uh, six ballparks of, of the 30 to this point were extending their, their timelines. Because I, I say it was crazy because I didn't think it would reduce beer sales just because it happened in the minor leagues. But then I, I did read this point that minor league ballparks are more conducive to families and maybe just less beer sold in general. Uh, and although there are obviously families going to major league ballparks, it's more about the fun environment and maybe not fun environment, but, but there are, I guess, beer sales are higher, I'd say, in general. There's obviously more people. Uh, so maybe there's just more room for for fewer beers to be sold is what i'm saying but anyway what you're saying is a drone but i'm i'm not buying that i'm sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> um all right moving on here are we going to get uh a no bunts beer one day or what do you want one yeah all right yes. well what's your favorite beer style there tassie well i've i've heard you talk talk about the kolsch sounds delicious it's amazing it's my favorite beer style give us a quick description if you don't mind Kolsch is, uh, I think one of my favorite parts about it is that uh, it's notably a hybrid yeast in that uh, it can... <laughs> a hybrid yeast, excuse me? Yeah, it ferments uh, between the normal temperatures for fermenting a lager and an ale. It's kind of right in the middle at about 57 degrees. Uh, it's very light. It's crispy, uh, light notes of pear to it. It's just... I don't know, just something about it, man. It just calls to me all the time. Okay. I always want a Kolsch. I want a Kolsch right now. <laughs> so what's a, a a Dunkel I was also interested in? <laughs> Dar this is a darker beer because, yeah, the, our, our basketball show is called No Dunks. The Dunkel is a, is a perfect fit. Sure. 
That's a darker beer, though. Uh, what it is is that it's a light lager that's just got a little bit of darkness to it. It's still 5%. It's just got some more of the uh, – some toasty notes, a little bit of caramel, but all in all, still a very light beer. Uh, f- visually darker, though, right? Visually darker, yes. So okay. it's got some of the uh, the SRMs or the color, the love bonds, if you want to get real technical. <laughs> I'll explain that to you later. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, and it is a darker, lighter beer. Okay, I've got a love a bond with uh, with the Dunkel. I, I think uh, you know you can pretend to still be cool, cool, uh, cool air quotes. You know, having having a darker beer, uh, but have without the taste uh, of a darker beer. Because what would you describe? You said stout. Um, this is my final uh, question that people might be hating out there. But when you like when you throw the word stout or darker beer, what would you describe that flavor as? Uh, caramel, uh, coffee, toffee notes. Okay. Yeah. So when uh, you guys were uh, potentially collaborating with Fox Bros, which is a barbecue company, sure. a barbecue restaurant down here in the south, to make beer pancakes, <laughs> I heard about that. Is that is that potential? I know we're going off board here. Uh, what flavors are you are you yeasting the pancakes? What's happening with the with the beer pancakes? Oh yeah, we're just taking beer yeast and throwing it directly into the uh, the pancake batter. Tacit man, this guy is just so good. No, <laughs> no we uh, essentially what you do for a beer if you want to put it into a food, a sauce, or, you know, pancake batter, whatever you do, you get the beer, you reduce it down in a pan. Yeah, uh, you make some additions: heavy cream, cinnamon, brown sugar, whatever you want to. So you can't taste the beer. You definitely still taste the beer, Tess. Uh, okay. So what type of beer is, is going in a uh, pancake? I think the Brubu Lemon Saison. Ah. So uh, a little bit... Li- <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. A little bit lighter, some lemon notes to it. But, I mean, if you if we wanted to, we could also take our Wake and Bake and do the same thing. We've we've used an assortment of our beers to do uh, to work with Chef Charmaine on different beers. Uh, foods and stuff for special events or for just normal things yeah i don't have the palate of many so i wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the wake and bake which Mm. is a beer it has nothing to do with uh waking and baking or uh the saison (laughs) sure which uh, the blueberry saison what was it called uh brew brew lemon saison brew brew lemon sorry i just heard blueberry though you were like saison really (laughs) i'm french canadian i'm I'm proud of you Uh, uh, all right fun stuff fun stuff with seb i'm sure we'll have him on again because we hang out at the ballpark and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. 
Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra-soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. We got to go here, Seb. We got to move on. Again, Seb, the East Whisperer and associate pilot brewer for Terrapin Beer Company. Do you mind staying on for one segment? Just kidding. You have no choice. Uh, let's <laughs> get here, to. <laughs> let's get to. You're out. All right, it's time for you're out. You got to eliminate one of these objects and in this scenario mm. we're going ballpark foods and we've got a couple new ballpark foods all right so we're gonna have three here i know joel was very excited to get this uh segment rolling because he right. he is uh a man of i think i said i don't have a good palate joel joel is my palate he, he is he is my he is my palate for me <laughs> and so we've got three foods here all right the new poutine hot dog at the Rogers Center in Toronto. It's exactly what you think. A hot dog with cheese curds and gravy, essentially. And and there's some fries as well. Although I think it's more heavy on the cheese curds and the gravy. Next up, the new Burnt Ends Mac and Cheese at Oakland Coliseum. That looks freaking phenomenal. This was, this was Joel's pick. And then, simply put, the Dry Wings at Terrapin Tap Room here in Truist Park in Atlanta... We may be uh, pandering a little bit with that one. But anyway, uh, Joel, what are you eliminating? What are you kicking out of here? The poutine hot dog, the Burnham's mac and cheese, or the dry wings? Tess, I'm going to take that poutine hot dog. I'm going to put it in a rocket launcher, and I'm going to shoot it 95 (laughs) galaxies away. You know my feelings on poutine. I know that this shouldn't bother me, but... Tass, like I legitimately dislike poutine. I, I it and it bothers me that people like it and want to make a case that it's a good food. It has all the ingenuity of a drunk college kid coming home wasted from the club at 4 a.m. being like, what should I have to eat? And they just throw a bunch of crap together. That's what poutine is. I, I don't want to hear any uh good things being spoken about poutine. I dislike it greatly. Uh, I feel very passionate about this test. We've talked about this before. A hundred percent, the poutine dog is is you're out. I never want to see it again. I will never try it at the Sky Dome. Uh, I never want to eat poutine again. I think they took one of the most unoriginal dishes and then put it on a boiled hot dog. No, poutine dog, you're out. Hundred <laughs> percent. Hey, nobody said it was a boiled hot dog. It's probably a boiled hot dog. Yeah. Um, well, whatever. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit flustered yeah, here. I get yeah. talk about poutine. I, yeah. I lose it. Yeah. Got another five on poutine. Can we hear it? <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. The the Canadian at heart disliking poutine. I got no problems with the poutine hot dog. Although I guess I did lead with the gravy and cheese on the poutine on the hot dog because that just makes a heck of a lot more sense. I I, I honestly don't need the fries on that hot dog. Yeah. But but I'm totally fine. Just in poutine in general, Seb, being a, an American here, have you ever had poutine? Yes, I've had poutine before. 
down in the south or where was it uh just amongst my travels somewhere i can't oh, honestly okay. couldn't remember and what are, what and, and what's your what's your take and do you like the the collab of a hot dog and poutine no, because you know what I don't want to do? Yes. I don't want to walk yes. around the ballpark with a hot dog. I'm trying to eat like a normal hot dog, which should just have ketchup, mustard, relish, and onion on it, by the way. Fair. America. That's fair. Yeah. I don't want to walk around trying to carry this thing that's got gravy and it's dripping off poutine everywhere and I'm trying to yep. eat it and it's just Okay, all right. On, you're not traveling here. You're not you're not going to work. You're not you're not commuting. You're going to get to your seat and you're going to eat your meal, which is large and uh, I, I totally agree is not ideal for hand consumption <laughs> for consumption in, in general. Uh, yeah. What about okay, let's get the fries out of there. I'm going to defend poutine here for a sec as a, as a, oh. as a separate entity, separate entity, but okay. Let's, let's just go back to the hot dog, hot dog with fries and gravy. Okay. I'm sorry. Hot dog with gravy and cheese. How do we feel about that? <laughs> Communism. No, no, no. <laughs> Tass, come on. If I'm your palate, I'm telling you right now. No, just no. Scratch that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little much. I get that. Uh, but I, I have no problems with uh, poutine. I actually, when I traveled back to Toronto recently, saw it on the menu in an airport, couldn't say no. I just couldn't say no. <laughs> Are you with me, JD? As as its own entity, I know the hot dog thing, it's just, it feels like one of the, these like city fair ideas, like, oh, let's just do this. I totally agree. <laughs> the combination. But on its own, poutine as itself, fabulous. Yeah. I'm I'm into it for sure. I I've got no problem with the poutine hot dog, in general. I would try it, eat yep. it for sure. Um, but it's got to go out of these three. Out of these three, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yes. mm-hmm. yes. because we have to pick one, right? That's that's the challenge. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the challenge of your out. Uh, I would be picking the fries off of this poutine hot dog. That's that's. It, it just doesn't hat, make sense. It's a hat on a hat, but you can't have a poutine hot dog without fries on it. Yeah. So it's a stupid menu item, let's be honest. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I'll, yeah. I'll associate it with uh, gyro with fries on it. Have you, have you ever done that on the Danforth? Messini is famous for it. People <laughs> love it. Now, it's it's a, it's a little different uh, because it's it's just gyro, your your condiments, your, your tomatoes, your onions, and mm-hmm. then your fries. There isn't that this other random sauce like a gravy thrown on top right it, but it's got a pita so it's not a bun so the carb ratio is not as intense as the yeah the, the hot dog i mean look at this thing well i let i led with yeah. i i said that the, it's a hot dog with gravy cheese and fries because i would like to think that there's just a few fries in there but if i have to dissect it that much then it should be the one that's kicked out of the game. I, I, I totally agree with that because the new Burnt Ends mac and cheese, Joel, you brought up, that looks yeah. spectacular, Yeah, actually. Oh, so good. Oh, the what possums are, are eating that. Except for the, the <laughs> mac and cheese there at the bottom? Is that, That's just plain mac and is cheese. Is that craft mac and cheese like out Kraft of a dinner, box, yeah. right? That's, I don't know. That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's good. With that, with Can like the- some shells in there? Some Velveeta nah, or something? No, nah, This nah. is good. Yeah, just to simplify it, Joel, did, I think uh, uh, with your palate, I think uh, you tell me, what are the good parts about the, the burnt end mac and cheese? 
Uh, I mean, I just love burn ends, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, and uh, <laughs> like the, the you know mystery solved tasks. I mean, I just like burn ends. Well, um, I like fries. That's that's that. Yeah, that, <laughs> but but Tass, I just want to make I just want to make a point. Um, and Seb was talking earlier about drinking a certain beer like on a hot day. Imagine eating a poutine dog in July on a Saturday afternoon. It's like thirty, you know, thirty degrees in Toronto, and it's just baking. And you really want to be eating that thing? No, I I mean I just I, I'm. Wait, wait, you're eating a boiled hot dog. You're eating a hot hot dog. Isn't that, I mean, we're sort of in the same family here. I think the gravy well, is probably the biggest factor here. <laughs> yeah, and the cheese curds and the, fr- no, Tass, sorry, gonna, I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, a hot dog is its normal ballpark fare, but adding cheese curds and hot gravy and french fries on it, like on a hot day, I'll pass. April, April or October, I'll begrudgingly accept that it's probably a bit more acceptable, but not in the summer months. There's no way I want to be eating that. Uh, yeah, when it's baking outside. No thanks. I can't believe that the poutine, as an entity, isn't bigger here in the U.S. of A. You tell your friends at Fox Bros, your neighbors <laughs> there at Truist Park, Seb, <laughs> that they have to put it on their menu. They have to make it a part of their menu. Now they can, they can you know throw some burnt ends on it as they specialize in barbecue or whatever they got to do, because everybody sort of plays with it uh, up in Canada. But uh, why isn't it bigger here? I just don't understand. It's like very few and far between. Because we're Americans. When you tell us that we're supposed to like something, we say, uh, no. We say, wait, who likes that? We don't want that here. That is absolutely the best explanation for why it hasn't taken off here. Totally. Uh, the dry wings that are served at the Terrapin Tap Room mm. at Truist Park. Why are you keeping them over the sacred poutine hot dog that just came out mere weeks ago. Why, why are you saving them? I, I, I assume that you're kicking out the poutine hot dog. Yeah, it's gone though. Yeah. It's out. <laughs> uh, tell me about these dry wings. They're so good. Because when you hear dry, I'm yeah. not saying that like the meat itself is dry. No. The meat is just, it's so succulent and the skin is just succulent. Great word. Uh, it's, in the, it's in the moist family. It's nice, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and roasty. Obviously on there, some of the, the, the darkening of the skin right there. Oh, yep. it's so good. And the spice profile that Fox Brothers puts on there is so fantastic. Just a little bit of ranch, you pour it on there and you eat. Oh, it's so good. I assume these are smoked. Yeah, they're well. smoked. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're smoked oh, wings. Nice. They're so, so good. I could not recommend these wings to people enough. I it's I have it once a week probably. Okay. Oh, so for the record, you're tossing the poutine hot dog, Seb. Obviously, Joel's we know Joel's opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You're trying the burnt ends mac and cheese, but to me it sounds like you're just eating the burnt ends and you're not eating the mac and cheese. <laughs> I'm doing it all. No, I'm I'm, I'm doing it all. It, yeah, does, it does sound this. I, I don't buy this this hot argument. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I'm with you, Tess. It, it doesn't make is, sense. The mac and cheese is hot, my man. The burnt ends. Hey, they're burnt. They should be hot. Everything's that, that's, hot. I would argue that this meal that we're looking at on YouTube right now is heavier than the the hot dog. You're saying the burnt end mac and cheese is heavier it's, than yeah. the poutine. It's going to put you to sleep quicker than the the poutine hot dog. IMO. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's point it, taken. Point taken. <laughs> it's mac and cheese and and meat and pasta. It's gonna sit in your belly and you wash it down with that ice cold stout. Well, you're you're a, a gravy man through and through. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think uh, I think that part could be putting me to sleep. There's a lot of elements to that poutine hot dog. Mm. 
Wait, you, you think it, you think a maniac would uh, dress that hot dog on top? You yeah. Know? Yeah, I think so too. Which is another reason Oof. why it's got to go. Like yeah. some yeah. maniac is going to put like ketchup and mustard on this thing oh. already. It's yeah. which it would be a, a an absolute tragedy because it's already dressed. It's perfectly dressed already. Yeah the the thing that the wings have going for it that a plain hot dog has going for it is that you don't have to pull out a fork. Um, that that's mm. that's huge at a ballpark. Um, served in a foil. Just this, a hot dog just served in foil. You dress it. You can get back to your seat, and, and you're not spilling it all over the place. I, I know you've got a, a long commute, I guess, uh, Seb. That's that's big, um, and I and I think that that's that's one knock against the Burt Ends mac and cheese. Although, damn, it looks good. It's not much of a knock at all. It can be contained to a bowl, and I can just use a nice little fork, and then it's really simple with the poutine hot dog. It's it's a hot dog. There's a bun. You're naturally going to be like, I need to. <laughs> grab this food item and eat it and then you're doing the weird dance where you're trying to hold this bowl and you've got the weird hot dog and it's dripping maple syrup or gravy i can't tell which one that is well done well done it's just it's a whole thing i'm good i'm good okay well done i think you guys have convinced me at a ballpark Tass is anti. Uh, oh yeah, Putin now. I, I, I'm not. I'm not anti-Putin. Not, oh, okay. not, not okay. a chance okay. in the world okay. will I ever disrespect my home nation. <laughs> Never. Oh, Never. I will. No, no problems. And the next time, next time I go to Toronto, in mere months, I'll be happy to eat. Listen to the freaking elements. Listen to the elements. Fries. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Gravy. Hell yeah. Yeah. And cheese. Hell yeah. The hot dog part is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It's slapdash. Uh, uh, well done. Another edition of You're Out. You guys killed it. Uh, and you convinced me. The poutine hot dog, it is somewhat city fair. You know, it's, it's city fair food. City fair fair. <laughs> All right. Great stuff, everybody. That does it for another edition of No Buns. Thanks uh, so much to Seb of Terrapin for coming in. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll touch base again, I'm sure, this year when our No Buns beer is brewed. I'll come in. High East. A high the most quotient, taste. please. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jolie. Thanks, JD. Again, you can find us weekly on the Athletic Baseball Show on YouTube. Just search the Athletic Baseball Show or uh, pod with us on the Athletic Baseball Show wherever you get your pods. Thanks for joining us. And remember, uh, a high yeast quotient makes for a great beer. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, oh, see nice, nice. we'll see you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.